If you don't know me, I'm Nigel. I am part of the team, and I am preaching this evening. Are you ready for a preach? All right. Are you ready for a good one? All right, we've got a good one for you. So um, we are, yeah, I'm preaching. I'm just going to put a little thing out there. I'm going to be talking about a friend of mine, Michelle Russell. Any friends of Michelle, if you know her, then just a little heads up. I'm going to be mentioning that later, so you'll, you'll understand as I get there. Okay, um, we're in a book of Acts. We're in a series of looking at the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is a book in the Bible, and uh, we find that after the accounts of Jesus' life. It's really an account of the church, how the church was started and what happened, and we're looking at that this evening. And... We're really looking at how kind of God works with us and our part in that. I don't know if you've kind of thought, why does God do the things that he does or not? For example, God has always chosen to use people in part of his plans. Now, anyone clever among you would think, that's a bit stupid. I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't do that. Because first of all, I'm God. Secondly, if you're God, you can do anything you like. Why doesn't God just get on with it? You know, why doesn't God just zap people or just, you know, and just do God things? That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it, if you were God? But it seems to be that um, God doesn't want to work like that. Although it would be very efficient and probably very effective for God just to get on with it. And often I think we can always feel like that. God, why don't you just get on with it? Why do you even need me? It misses a very big part of it. And it's this, that God is a relational God. God wants to do things with us, not just kind of for us or at us or away from us. God is wanting to involve us in what he does. God even limits what he's able to do because he works with people like us. The story of the Bible in many ways is the story of people getting it wrong and God not being able to do what he was hoping to do, but God being incredible and amazing and creative, still being able to work his purposes out through people, through even the worst things. So God is committed to working with his people and working relationally with people. So I thought what I'd do is we'd just start off looking at what I like to call some super extra anointed, extra special people, super anointed, extraordinary people in the Old Testament. We're going to just find some of the big ones. Now, if, you're, if you've been part of church or grew up in church, you'd probably be familiar with that. So the first one is this, this person here. It is... Yes, there is Moses. Who's heard of Moses? There he is, just parting the sea, doing amazing stuff. The huge figure in the Old Testament. Moses was doing that. Who else have we got? We got our man Samson. There he is, super strong. Who loves Samson? Not great with the haircuts, but um, very strong Samson. And then, of course, we have the king, the greatest king of the Old Testament, King David. There he is, killing Goliath the giant. Actually, we love heroes, these super extra anointed special people that we celebrate and love reading about. And, um, well, if we fast forward to the New Testament, we've got someone else, a super anointed extra special person, Jesus. There he is. And that's the, yeah, artist impression. Um, there's Jesus, the super anointed one. Now, in fairness, Jesus was the super anointed one. People called him Messiah. And that was a word meaning the anointed one. He was anointed and he did amazing stuff, not only for God, but because he was God. See, the thing is for us today, we still love to have superheroes, super amazing people, the kind of incredible people that stand out from the crowd, whether it's your sporting geniuses. There's a little clip of some sporty people you might recognize. Geniuses, look at them. 
Sorry, Johnny Sexton. Tough night in the office for Johnny. But Ronnie O'Sullivan is trying to pot that ball in the corner. I don't know if you've noticed that. Also, Messi is holding up Simone Biles there in a sort of gymnastic. Look at these incredible people. We love incredible, amazing heroes. Or maybe it's business people, people who are just business geniuses, creative, incredible minds that are just amazing. I don't know if we call them a hero, but certainly impressive and noticeable. All right, so we've got heroes, and we have a bit of a hero culture. We call it celebrity stuff, but sometimes the heroes, people who are amazing and incredible. What's that got to do with us? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to have a little read in Acts chapter 2. So if you do have a Bible, you can look at it there. I'm going to be taking some excerpts from the chapter, so I'm not going to read the full thing. And Acts chapter 2 starts where Jesus has been resurrected and his followers, the disciples, are in Jerusalem. This is the city where Jesus was killed. And they're waiting there in a room. And we're reading the account of how the Holy Spirit falls on them and fills them and starts the church. So let's read this together. We'll start at the beginning of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, that was a Jewish festival, they were all together in one place in Jerusalem. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So it goes on a little while that they spill out in the street. There's a big crowd. It all is a bit rowdy. And then Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, one of the the apostles who's been with Jesus, if you keep that slide on, we're going to go straight back into it. He's then preaching to them, telling the crowd what's happened. So we pick it up here in verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life who've been talking about, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he's received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear in the people that we've just read. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. So this is an image, a picture. And every day they continued to meet. Oh, I've already read that. Okay, you can forget that. That is an image of the church, the very brand new church, of what they do, having found faith in Jesus, having repented, having been baptized, having received forgiveness of sins in the Holy Spirit, this picture of them meeting together every day. So I've got a little story for you. There's a a prophet in our our community called Liam Owen. Uh, Liam is a good friend of mine, and to be honest, he doesn't know that he's a prophet. And please don't tell him that because it will go to his head. Um, but early on in the sort of the days when I was just starting at Woodlands to help out a bit leading some of the services and things, after one particular tricky service, he came up to me 
And he said, Nigel, you see, the thing is, and I thought, oh, no, I'm in trouble here. I was already feeling a bit vulnerable. Things hadn't gone well. He said, the thing is, you look up there on stage, and there's Rob Scott Cook. Rob Scott Cook is the founder of our church family, an incredible man of faith, a man of prayer. I mean, half the time he's in heaven, half the time he's on earth. He's just this incredible guy. And I'm like, yeah, Rob is amazing. And then there's Dave Mitchell, the pastor. He loves people more than anyone can love people. He has more wisdom than anyone, and the Holy Spirit's everywhere. He's just incredible. I'm like, yeah, you tell me about it. Oh, and Philip Gennardo, I mean, he's incredible. Philip is this incredible speaker, a gift of communication, an international level kind of speaker, preaching and teaching. And he said, and, and then there's you. <laughs> right. And I think, oh, it's just Nige. I was like, oh, thanks, Liam. Thanks very much. You know, kick a man when he's down. You know, thanks for building me up. I didn't really need that. I know all these others are really incredible and amazing at everything. And I know I get it all wrong and I don't know what to say in the right moments. And it's, it's a bit awkward, to be honest. And, and Liam was like, no, no, Nige, what, you, what I mean is this. You're really normal. Whereas they're not normal at all. And I'm like, now you're talking, brother. Preach it. They're all really odd. Like, no one can be like Rob Scott Cook. Or no one's like Dave Mitchell or Philip. They're just off the charts. But you're just like ordinary. And so we sort of think, you know, well, if Nigel's up there doing something, well, maybe we can. Okay, it was like a backhanded compliment. And it took a while to work through. He was kind of, I think, esteeming my ordinariness. So there's three things I want to draw out of this passage. And the first one is this. It is very ordinary. This is the first thing that we get when we read this passage. There's something very ordinary going on that we often miss for all the dramaticness and all the highlights and all the excitedness. And it's this, that just before we read that passage, we hear that the Christians are gathered in a room. There's 120 of them. Now, we don't know who they are. This just says there's 120 of them. We know a couple of the leaders, the apostles who've been with Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit falls. It all gets rowdy. Peter does an amazing preach. And then 3,000 people get saved. Do we know who they are? No. They're just like ordinary, normal people. They never get their names in the book. No one knows. In fact, it, it writes about them. They just meet together every day. They share food. They break bread. They gather they worship, they praise God. They're just kind of ordinary people. We don't hear any more about them than just being ordinary. I wonder, has God had a change of plan going from these super extra special anointed heroes of the faith doing incredible stuff? All right, Jesus did really well in fairness. He did great. Did God think, right, maybe we're not going to go for the big superheroes anymore. Maybe we've already got a big super anointed one. What I'm looking for is some, something ordinary, very ordinary. Do you feel ordinary? Do you feel you're a kind of ordinary person? Ordinary education, background, upbringing. You have your good days, your bad days. You're not very good at lots of things. Everyone else seems to be really good at them. Probably not very good at praying, and everyone else seems great at praying. Do you feel ordinary? I feel very ordinary. I mean, I lose my phone all the time, can't find stuff. I'm going to finish here, go home tonight, make the pat lunches for school tomorrow. On it goes. Ordinary life carries on. And in fact, a lot of life does seem to be lived in the, the ordinary. But it turns out that's quite good news. Because I think God's on the lookout for ordinary people. Just plain old ordinary people. Like you and me. 
Because the thing is, God wants to use ordinary people to reach other ordinary people. And there's a lot of them out there. I think we're all very ordinary. And God said, well, that's what I want. I want ordinary people to reach more ordinary people. Just a little later in Acts, in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, two of the leaders, are hauled up in front of some of the kind of leaders, the religious leaders. It says this in uh, verse 13, Acts 4. When they saw, these leaders, the courage of Peter and John, and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were just ordinary men, but they'd been with Jesus. If you feel ordinary today, if you feel very ordinary tonight, you're doing good. That's exactly the kind of people that God is looking for, ordinary people. Why right at the beginning, as it describes the Holy Spirit falling on the believers in the room at this Pentecost thing, it says they start speaking in different tongues, different languages, actually. It, it then gives this account. They're all speaking these different languages. And so people from lots of different countries and areas are hearing the praises of God being spoken in their language. And that's what God's up for today, that to reach everybody will involve every language, every tribe, every thing. Just the ordinariness of just different languages and different people is part of what God is looking for. You say, well, I don't speak different languages, but the Bible is translated in your life. How you know it and live it is how it's translated, how it's understood. Whether you speak different languages or not, the point is the language of how you live out what it means to follow Jesus is something that is witnessed and seen. Now again, you might not say, look, I'm not a preacher, Nigel. I'm not going to be a funny witness or go preaching on a corner. No, but your very life witnesses to how God works in you or not. But you're like, how can it? I'm ordinary. But the point is, that's how God works in all of us, in your ordinariness. Is something that God loves because that's where we all are. So the first thing is very ordinary. But the second thing is very anointed. Now, I've used this word a couple of times talking about anointing. What does it mean? So let me just explain it to you. Anointing uh, is talking about the Holy Spirit coming and resting on someone. So we believe the Holy Spirit as part of God or fully God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy, Holy Spirit rests on us and fills us. So the account of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit arrived and turned up in the room and rested on people and filled them. Now in the Old Testament, these super extra special anointed people, Moses and King David, they were anointed by the Holy Spirit. But at times the anointing would move or go somewhere else. It was on a very select few. And then when we see Jesus, he again was the anointed one. This phrase, the Messiah, the Holy Spirit anointed him. But as Peter was talking to the crowd, he quotes a prophet in, called Joel. And he says God's heart was always that he would pour out his spirit on all people. Sons and daughters, men and women, everybody. It wasn't just for a select few. It was for everyone. And so as we read in verse 4, the, the believers in that upper room, the sound of the rushing wind came and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? Well, we read about it. Peter goes out and preaches to the crowd. He calls people to repent. That means to kind of change direction in life. Think, actually, I want to go with Jesus now rather than not with Jesus. I told that you can receive forgiveness but also receive the Holy Spirit. But look what's happened these people in this room have been anointed. And then what do they do? They go and anoint other people. 
Anointed people anoint people. It's not just something for you. It's something that means you can then anoint others. Anointed people anoint people. The Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts, is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it could as well be described as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, of what the Holy Spirit is getting up to and doing. Is it really a big deal? I mean, sometimes people think, oh, you do go on about the Holy Spirit a lot, your church. Is it a big deal? Yeah, it is. It really is a fundamental and a big deal. We see it that the people are being moved by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work. There's an activity of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. People are blessing what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's what Peter is calling attention to as he preaches, saying this is what God is doing. This is what's happening. Get with it. We had a vision evening on Tuesday night. And again, if you didn't see it, you, we filmed it, it's on our YouTube channel, do catch up on it. Because part of the vision is to say, how do we bless what God is doing? It's not that we're trying to generate some kind of great church. What we're trying to do is keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Well, Holy Spirit, what are you up to? And how do we get involved with that? How do we bless what you're doing? And ask for more of it. We see in Acts chapter 8, Peter and John are traveling around. They go to Samaria. They say, have you received the Holy Spirit? And I, no. Okay, we'll get some of this. They lay their hands on and pray an anointing. They release anointing so the other believers are filled. It happens later in Acts. In Acts chapter 19, Paul goes to Ephesus, meets some believers. He's like, so uh, if you've got the Holy Spirit? And I don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Get a load of this. Praise for them. Suddenly the Holy Spirit is released on them. The Holy Spirit is anointing people to anoint people. We pass it on. I don't know if you think of the Holy Spirit like that, or whether you think it just helps you to kind of read the Bible and be a better person, of which it does. But the anointing of the Spirit, we are anointed people in order to anoint others. And that is what the Spirit is longing to do and wanting to do. So a question for you, how is the Holy Spirit moving in your life? How would you describe that? Or is it? The Holy Spirit empowers us. It, it gives us a, an extra dimension. We can do lots of stuff humanly. But the anointing of ordinary people means that ordinary people get to do extraordinary things. That's why in Acts 4, Peter and John, the, the rulers were amazed. These are just ordinary people. But they've been with Jesus and something extraordinary is going on. They did an extraordinary miracle. Jesus himself in John says, truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to be with the Father. Jesus making this point, as people get anointed, and as the anointing starts passing around, and more people are anointing, then more things are going to be happening than even Jesus can do. If I'm honest with you, okay, that whole thing about the Old Testament characters is a little unfair. Because the Old Testament characters were just ordinary people as well. Moses, King David and stuff. They were just normal, flawed people like you and me. In fact, the Bible is really honest to account that and depict that. Sure, God used them, and, but probably history and people want to kind of cheer on heroes. But really, they were just ordinary, normal people. But they had the anointing of God that made them extraordinary. People were saying the person was incredible. No, the person wasn't incredible. The person was ordinary and flawed and failed. But the anointing of God and the power of God was incredible. Really, they can't take any credit for it. 
because all they could say is the anointing of God. It was God that was at work. It was God doing all these things. This is what I love about these believers that we read about as they meet together in people's homes, as they just do the stuff. The power of God is at work. People are being added to them daily. But really, they're not claiming any credit for it. They're just saying, yeah, God, it's your power and your anointing. The anointing is for all of us. It's a promise that we live in today. And the question to ask you, do you have the anointing? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you received that? It's an opportunity later today to say this evening, actually, we'd love to pray for you and ask for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to anoint your life, to be able to serve God and live for him. So very ordinary, very anointed. And the third one is very community. They were a community. They were a bunch of people. Again, we don't know who they are. They don't, their names don't get in it. They meet every day. They're a community centered on Jesus, spreading the anointing. And the Lord Jesus himself was adding to their number daily. Now, I don't know about you. I'm, I really like rugby and I've been enjoying the Rugby World Cup. And on Friday night, I got tickets to go and see Bristol Bears play rugby down at Ashton Gate. Went with my friend, went down there. We were having a good time. We were watching these absolutely massive men just having a big old fight with the ball popping around, basically. That's kind of rugby. Terrifying it was. In fact, I said to my friend, oh, I'd kind of love to have a go, just, you know, five minutes on the pitch, just to see what it was like. He's like, no, you would die, Nigel. You would literally be snapped in two. I'm like, you got a really good point there. It was, it was good fun going there. I've, I really did like it. And um, there's a little photo of a crowd here. This is kind of often what it looks. You're just there watching the game I was. We were all watching. Occasionally we cheered. Most of the time we were just chatting. A bit bored, to be honest. Didn't really know what's going on. They kept blowing the whistle all the time. I had no idea what was happening. Now, you see, the thing is, Christianity is not a spectator sport. You can't just sit there watching some keenies get on with it and think, oh, that's all right. It doesn't work like that. In fact, it gets very boring if that's what it's meant to be. Don't be a spectator. You've got a unique part to play. Everyone has a unique part to play in being part of a community. And it's a kind of bad thinking to think, well, hey, there seem lots of you guys and there's loads of people better than me doing stuff. You don't need me here. Christianity was never meant to be a spectator sport where a few people ran around really busy and everyone else just cheered them on. Actually, everyone has a part to play in what it means to be community and what it means to be doing what God wants us to be doing and part of his plan. So don't be a spectator. Now, I want to share with you about my friend, Michelle. We've got a little photo of here. And uh, this is Michelle with a massive ice cream. And Michelle Russell is part of um, the church family here at Woody's. It was her birthday this week. Um, and tragically, she died six years ago, really unexpectedly, in a, in a tragic car crash. And uh, we really miss Michelle. It was so painful for us. And... Um, Thinking about this talk, I thought, actually, Michelle was such a part of Woody's, such part of the community. She would often wear a blue T-shirt, welcome people as they were coming into church, stick around afterwards, chat to people. She was involved with YWAM in Bristol, had a real heart for Jesus and just kind of living that out. She was just so wonderful. And um, we really miss Michelle. And one of the things I kind of realized is that 
every time I come to Woody's, there was a kind of Michelle gap that could never be filled. There was just a Michelle gap because she wasn't here anymore. And you can say, well, it's all right. We'll just get some more people on the welcome team. Or we'll just get some people to help out. It'll be all right. No one will notice. But it doesn't work like that. Actually, Michelle had this unique place because she was unique here in our community. And although we miss her, she, that can never be replaced or filled. And there's been many other people like that who are sadly no longer with us. And we miss them. They had a unique place. I want to say this tonight, that you have a unique place in God's story, in God's heart. And the thing is, no one else can fill it because you're actually really good at being you, even if you don't think you are. You've, you've really got the gig. No one else can do that apart from you. Being community means that you, you realize what you are and who you are. And that's irreplaceable and it can't be used. And the reason I'm making this point is just to acknowledge that actually we each have a unique place and a unique space about being part of community. In fact, it, it's really wrong to think that you're not needed. It's not only illogical, but it's actually unbiblical. It's not true. It's actually false. It's a lie. Because if you read what God is wanting to do and how God is wanting to reach the world with ordinary people like you, with his anointing and doing it in community, then everyone is needed. Everyone has a unique place. And in that, everyone has a unique purpose, part of what God is doing. And to say, well, I'm not needed is, is an opting out where there's never been an opt out. Now, don't be a spectator. Don't just watch and let other people do it. But understand your place. Understand that you're unique and that God wants to use you, your life, who he's made you to be for what God is wanting to do in the world and how God is committed to you as he's committed to his church and this community. So for me, as I said, starting out doing leadership stuff, I did feel like a bit of an imposter. I thought, oh, this is really bad because Dave's really amazing and Claire's incredible and I'm not needed. I just can do everything not as good. And that imposter syndrome, I don't know if you've ever felt that, this idea that, you know, I shouldn't really be here and there's lots of other better people than me doing this. I'm not Dave Mitchell. I just can't do it as badly as him. I've tried. I've tried. But this is the thing. You're not an imposter. You're the only person being you. There is no imposter syndrome in the kingdom of God. You might get it other places, but for you, if that's an issue for you, we need to pray about that with you because you've got such a special place and such a unique place here in part of what God's purposes are and in God's community. And I hope you can feel that. I hope, I hope that is a place that you can recognize and sit in. Because God wants to use everyone. In Acts chapter 8, a little further after the passage we read, a real persecution, real pressure against the church happened. And everyone left Jerusalem, apart from the apostles, apart from the leaders. And you know what happened? Everywhere they went, the word of God was spread and churches started popping up. These were the anonymous people. The 120, the 3,000, the ones that were being added. We don't know who they are. We only hear about the leaders, and they weren't even there. Because these were very ordinary, very anointed community people. 
who had a heart for Jesus and his community. And wherever they went, the word, the news, the good news of Jesus was spread. So um, I did this a couple of weeks ago, and it seemed to go well, which was to do a quiz at the end of my preach to see how much you've been paying attention to. So I've now got a quiz for you. Good luck, everyone. All right, number, question number one. I'm not joking. It's right here. Look. First of all, do you have to be extra special and amazing to be used by God? It's a multiple choice. Yes, be or not sure. Have a little think. Answer, please. B. Oh, yeah, no, good. B. Well done. So far, so good. Next question. How ordinary do you have to be to be used by God? A, ordinary. B, very ordinary. Or C, extremely ordinary. Mm, well, let's find out. They're all correct. Oh, well done, everyone. You're all right. Okay, next one. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? A, order someone on Amazon. B, find out more about it. Mm -hmm. Or C, ask someone with the Holy Spirit to pray for me. What do you reckon? Let's have a look. B and C. So sometimes you might need to talk a bit more and think, oh, I'm not sure about this. How does this all work? But often talking to C people can really help as well. All right, next one. Do you know your unique place and part in God's plan? A, B, or C? I'm going to leave that for you to answer and think about. Because sometimes we feel we do, and then maybe we're not quite sure. But this passage tells me something really clear. God is looking for ordinary people to be anointed by his spirit, to be part of his community, and in doing so, God is able to move powerfully and do wonderful things. And that's our heart as us as a church community here. And I'm sure for the church at large as well. We're ordinary. But we need the anointing of God. And we have to do that together as community. Knowing our place and our part. What it is. So I'm just going to take a moment to pray for you. And I'm going to hand over to Dave and Rebecca and we'll... Um, I would love to give an opportunity for people to just be open to being filled, receiving that anointing again of the Holy Spirit, if that would be helpful to you. just want to acknowledge as well, maybe for you, if you're new to this or wouldn't say you're a sort of Christian, you're still exploring, it's really, really important just to kind of ask questions and find out more and things. So... We don't ever want to do stuff that feels that we're just making you have to respond or do stuff. We, we recognize that as we gather in public, any kind of response, if that's wanting to pray or come forward for prayer or do anything, is, is really your choice um, between you and God. And we, we want to help that as leaders. We want to help you engage with what God is doing and the Holy Spirit. But we never want you to feel that you can't ever say no or hey, I might just watch this time around. So I just want that to be really clear in how we just do the next little bit of time together. But God, we want to thank you that you choose ordinary people like me, like you, for yourself. Uh, thank you, God, that you have poured out your Holy Spirit through Jesus onto your church and you continue to pour out your Spirit on us. And thank you that you call us to a place in community, to be doing that with others be finding our place and loving you together God so I want to ask Holy Spirit that you would just lead us now and help us respond to you 
and what you want to do. I want to pray maybe tonight for people where even just talking about the imposter syndrome has been a bit of a thing for you. Then um, we'd love to just take an opportunity to pray for you and say that help you see yourself in the right way as God sees you. And um, that that wouldn't be a barrier to you at all in what God's wanting to do. So yeah, may God, yeah, may you move on us for the rest of this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Nigel. Really helpful stuff there. Um, just a very practical response. First of all, um, for, for many of us, if we're really going to get hold of this kind of participative, I get to be a minister. You know, one of the things we say at Wood is everyone's a minister, everyone's a witness, everyone cares for the poor. That's the normal Christian life. But it's not going to happen for all of us on the big stage. But being part of a small group is really key to us. And for us, one of the things that, that we have a real value of and which we really see helps people grow in their Christian faith experience and practice is being part of a small group. And so if you're not part of a small group, that's part of the whole process that we have around tell us who you are, help us to get you connected if you'd like to. So whether you're a student, part of the student community, or whether you're just a regular member of the church, there, there's a, a network of, of small groups and communities where you can find your place where you can actually get to participate. It's a bit like, you know, you can't all play on the, the grounds of Ashton Gate when you're doing rugby, but you can all go home and be part of a small team and do that kind of stuff. So, um, <coughs> yeah, fi find your way into one of those things. Um, Becca, tell, tell us how we can... Okay, so before we go into a time of worship... Um, as Nigel said, there'll be an opportunity uh, for people to come forward for prayer if you'd like it. So as the worship starts, there'll be a prayer ministry team along the front. And you can come forward for prayer for anything, but there are two categories of people that we particularly love to pray for. So if you relate with, to what Nigel was saying, you feel that imposter syndrome, and you feel like, you know what, I've really discounted myself out of this, and I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again. I want to, you know, get back on that game again. We would love to pray for you, or maybe you just want to be filled again. And also, secondly, maybe actually you, you were just curious today. You've never experienced the Holy Spirit. You were just exploring. You might not be a Christian yet. And you have all sorts of ideas of who God might be, and they might not be good. But maybe during the worship earlier, you felt some sort of sense of peace and, and love. And that is the Holy Spirit. And I'd say just start by thinking, okay, maybe God is good, and maybe he loves me. If you like prayer... We'd love to pray for you, although, as Nigel said, no one is going to force you. Or you can come find us at the end. We'd love to answer some questions for you. Um, so why don't you all stand with me as the band come up? And I'm just going to ask, first of all, that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then there'll be an opportunity for prayer. Mm. Yeah. Father God, I thank you that you love us and you want to fill us with your Spirit. God, I just pray that you'll fill us with your Holy Spirit now to anoint us. God, I pray particularly for those that have discounted themselves. Fill us afresh, we pray. Okay. Amen. <laughs>